What's going on, everybody? I hope you're enjoying our YTG Global Podcast. This couldn't be possible without Anchor, which is by far the easiest way to make or produce a podcast. Why do you ask? Hmm. Simple. Because they're free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. For uh, Dev, our special guest for the day. That uh, Dev is always here, but uh, Devin. Uh, first of all, thank you once again for Devin coming on the pod. Absolutely appreciate your time. Um, I've heard this. I'm familiar with the story too, as well. But I definitely won't interrupt until it's uh, just time to go back in for just a little, little couple questions here and there. But um, Dev's story, as far as uh, as you know, the podcast titled "Mental uh, uh, Mental Health Awareness." Uh, Dev's story is um, something that I think everybody should listen to, and the Absolutely. fact we can give her a platform just to talk about it, you know, just for a little bit or however long she wants to talk about it, then you know we're grateful for that time. Um, uh, shout out to you and your family. Uh, both your uh, both your children, uh, Joey, of course. Uh, love the beloved for y'all. Uh, glad to have you back in the states. You know, of course, you know, Germany was wonderful for the for the for y'all for the time y'all was there. You love you love being over there, but definitely good to uh, just to have you here again. Um, me being selfish, of course, but uh, me too, me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> but without further ado, uh, I'm gonna sit back. I'm not gonna say anything. And uh, Dev, I want you to please uh, educate everyone out there, even those of us who know a lot about mental health awareness. It's always something new to learn. So, uh, Dev, with uh, with that being said, the floor is yours. Thanks so much for having me. I, I just wanted to start by saying that I am glad to be um, here with our with our old friends again. I'm not happy to be in America. I think I'll continue to feel like that for a while, um, especially given the what what's popped off recently. But thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. I want to um, just kind of start out by saying that I'm. It, this is a heavy story and it's emotional, and I'm probably going to cry. Stop me if you can't hear me, please, Ricky. We got you. <clears throat> we got you loud and clear. We got you. We got you. Uh, okay, yeah, and I, I can't promise not to be super emotional, but I can I can do the best I can. And I just wanted to say that I'm not here in any kind of official capacity. I'm not a doctor. Um, if you think got something is going on with you, you need to talk to a doctor. It's great to yeah. talk about mental health. It's what gets it out. It's what keeps us connected to each other. But if uh, for real, anyone watching this right now, if you're feeling depressed, if you're fe- if you're having intrusive thoughts or suicidal thoughts, talk to a professional. This will be educational in the way that it's like I'm sharing my story so that other people can feel like they're not alone. But please yeah. seek help if you need it. That's that's let that be your takeaway. Right. Okay. So my uh, my mental health story started a long time ago. I thought um, my parents sought some intervention for me as a kid. I, um, I had kind of an undesirable um, home life as a child, and I came out into the world. Um, having to to learn how to grow up and be an adult in um, in the military. So in a world where um, no one cares where you came from or what's up with you, they just expect you to be an adult. Um, so um, and then I met Joey um, about a year later in 2002, and we had kids out of wedlock, and 
all the roles took place backward. Um, and not, I don't think that you can be ready to have kids and to get married, but we certainly weren't ready for any of that, nor did we plan. So that kind of plays into it. It's um, that's Joey's really the best part of my story. I feel we met each other in 2002 and we've been together since the day after I got my first duty station and um, we're together still because we really love each other, but we're also together because we work hard for it all the time. And that's kind of um, the theme of uh, the story here. So um, my mental health story did start a long time ago, but I'll start with um, the last 16 months, I guess. We uh, we got orders to go to Germany in 2018. So we put the house on the market and um, we put in for, you know, we took all the normal steps you take. We put in for our medical clearances and mine got denied, but not because I'm actually sick because I had been sober for nearly four years. Um, and no one told me to get sober. I wasn't ordered to do so. I decided that it was affecting my life and my relationships negatively and I quit. I've been to rehab before. I went in 2010 for alcoholism. Um, that didn't work. And um, at some point, I just decided that it, I was suffering. And, and um, I don't have to wonder what happens when you continue to abuse substances and you have an allergy to it. I, there's lots of great examples out there for you. You don't need to wonder. Like, you know, it, it takes things from you, addiction. So I, so, I, so I quit. And it was hard, but I got through it uh, with support for some people. I, um, I actually... Didn't work any kind of a program this time. I just kind of extreme coupon to keep myself busy and went back to school and that worked for me. So I think um, there's no one way to do these things. I think that anyone um, wanting to quit and if you need some help, go to rehab. 12-step programs are wonderful. For, you know, faith is has been a big thing uh, for me through, uh, through that type of thing. So, so I'm sober and that's why, because I had um, substance abuse in my history, that's why my my medical clearance got denied to go overseas. And of mm -hmm. course I, I, um, I couldn't accept that. Cause I thought like at the first time in my life, I'd had a, a lasting period of meaningful sobriety. And now that I was healthy, I was being denied the chance to do something really fantastic for our family, which, you know, we thought was like to go live, live abroad for a little while. So I fought it. Um, but I didn't realize that part of that fight would be sort of having to look through 10, 15 years of medical and mental health records of my own to it find, like that, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, so I, I thought like, why not? I'll just look at my records. I'm smart. I can figure it out. I'll find the wording they used to deny me and I'll break their argument down like that. And I did that. And I, um, but frankly, going through all that by myself, like with no supervision, if you will, it, it dug my shit up. Like if you, you know, I had to see a couple of a psychologists that talked to me about my history and sort of went through everything with me. But a lot of it I did on my own sitting at home reading these things. And it can be really, I didn't understand that it was going to be super painful to have to go back through and look at all, all of what I've been through. I thought it was just going to be like a lot of data and a little processing of that data. And then we were going to, you know, get, get my medical clearance approved and it was going to be fine. And that, that is what happened. But um, it really, it, I got to, you know, in the military, um, as far as TRICARE is concerned, in order to give you any kind of medication, they have to diagnose you with something every time you go talk to a doctor. Damn right. Every fucking, <laughs> and some of the stuff in there wasn't accurate. These people don't know me from Adam, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm for 20 minutes once and they diagnose you with something, but then that stays in your medical um, history. So that's, to be talk, you know, to be that's an important piece of that it's all so all this stuff in and out of there I'm upset because some of it's wrong I'm upset because I 
remember how hard a lot of those things were to face and get past so that I could get sober. And I was, um, the whole time I was really, really angry that I would be denied for being essentially healthy because like, I had never felt like sobriety, um, coming out, seeking help, letting people know, putting it on my record that I was sick and needed help. That should have helped me. And, but until I got denied, um, they denied my medical clearance. That's the first time in those four years that I ever felt like it wasn't worth it to seek out that help. And that's yeah. part of the, and um, like from there, I kind of, I fell into a pretty deep depression. I didn't eat very much. I didn't sleep very much. We were, you know, our house is on the market. All the stress that comes with PCSing is enough for anyone to handle um, to begin yeah. with. But having to navigate all that mental health stuff at the same time was really hard. And it's a shame, um, you know, I had people from the military tell me over the phone that, um, the reason, one of the reasons why they denied is because there's, there, you know, the um, the drinking culture in Germany is heavy, to which I, I replied, it, as opposed to in America or in the military, I don't know anyone who doesn't drink too much, you know. So, mm. some of the, what they do is check boxes. They have a little list of things that they use to approve you or disapprove you. And if you have too many checks on the disapprove column, then they they don't know what's going on with you. Yeah. Oh, I know. It is possible to fight and win. I will say that. I think the consensus was, you know, when I went into it to try and fight it, that a lot of people, excuse me, a lot of people didn't think that you could win. You can, but it might cost you. True. Um, it cost me a little bit. So we get to, um, we get all through that. Finally, it was proved right before we left. We got orders about a week before that. And then we go. Um, we, uh, mail all of our worldly belongings, um, and we get on the plane with our kids and we go to Europe. And when we got there, um, <laughs> we were really, really excited to go and I'm still really thankful for it. But we got there me and Joey looked at each other and we're like, what the fuck do we do with our family? Like we just moved our whole family to a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's hard to explain you guys know, cause you've been all over the world. Maybe not in this, you know, you haven't been there to live, but um, Manny, I guess you, you were in Kadena, yeah? Yeah. So you, so it's a shock to your system in ways that you don't expect. Yeah. Like the food is different, the food is different, the time difference, you get a little nauseated sometimes. Yes. Like that. So, um, it's dismal there all winter long. That can depress people. So like it, we started out kind of like not expecting any of this. And... Um, it was a little more intense than we thought, I guess, is the long and short of it, to, to get to, to get there and realize that we left everyone and everything we'd ever known behind to do this. And it is amazing, and it's an opportunity that a lot of people get, but that was heavy. It was heavy. We yeah. were working. Uh, we, we settled in. It worked out. We met a wonderful group of people there. Um, all the, um, shout out to my 76th family. Everyone there, to include the commander and his wife, are amazing. <laughs> And with sort of like everyone that Joey worked with, everyone in our social and professional group was just like as supportive as, as can be. So that was a big part of us uh, successfully transitioning there and, um, and, you know, connecting with some new people and some old people too. And it helped us through it for a time. And um, I, I really can't say enough about that social support, man. I, we don't have here now. I do. We do have. You and Jenny, Ricky, Manny, um, Lindsay, just like people, the only people that really held us down when we got back here. Um, Y'all made men or women. (laughs) 
our, our connections here because they're real and they're, and they're extremely valuable to me. You should know that. Uh, but the, yeah, so we get there and we get transitioned in. And then one of my kids um, start like falls into a deep depression, the youngest child. And we were wondering, um, I, we're talking about two months of life between getting to Germany and this starting to happen. So my kids are going to school and they're getting integrated into the school system. Dodea schools are wonderful, especially on Ramstein. It just couldn't be a better situation there also. So everything seemed to be going really well. But then Wyatt came down with it with a serious, serious depression. And um, he started having some suicidal ideation. So I took him to a therapist. Excuse me, I took him to the doctor rather, and they put him on um, some Prozac for the depression. And then um, sort of just a, just a couple of weeks later, it didn't help. It just kept getting worse after the, after the initial medication. And then uh, I, I saw the first little bit of self-harm. It was cutting, but it wasn't an actual cut. He was just like scratching himself, but that's like, that's it's self-harm. Still, so yeah, as, a parent, as a parent, that, that moves you. Yeah, it did. It moved me. So I, um, so I took him to the hospital to Larmsey for a psyche valve. And um, they they decided that he was, there was enough protection at home, you know, meaning that I'm I'm home full, yeah. able to watch him and lock up the sharps and the chemicals and stuff like that. Then mm-hmm. he was going to stay, so they didn't hospitalize him at the time. Well, um, at the time, Wyatt was Estella. Um, a, Wyatt was born a girl. My daughter Estella. Um, and last year, that, so this is who we're talking about. And then um, it it turns out that the depression was due to the fact that Wyatt um, was experiencing gender dysphoria. It's when you're physically born a male or a female and your brain is telling you that you're the other. It's transgendered um, people, transgendered people. So uh, we thought that Wyatt was part of the community already. He came out to us in the summer as a lesbian and we kind of were like, high five, thanks for telling us. Like, let's, we can celebrate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was, our kids are free to, to do what they want in that way. It's, um, you know, I can't see another path forward, but to support them and give them the love and, and, and intervention they need. So that's the choice that we made. And uh, when we found out that Wyatt was transgendered, it was a little tougher than the conversation about just like him. It, sexually, it doesn't matter to me. These kids are young anyway. They're not having sex yet. Thank God. So yeah. it's not, it's not about a sex thing as much as it is about a, a an identity thing and, yes. and, it's not dinner, it's interest, just support them as your kids. You gotta you gotta learn your kids and yeah, I don't wanna take your time, but go ahead. Yeah, well that too. And I think like a, a lot of people who experience disparities that give them like not not so great of a like a life course, um, it comes from like a lack of love and support. So like I always have felt like an injection of that is the literal antidote to that. So I can, mm-hmm. you know, support and accept this kid. And give them freedom, you know, these kids, and give them freedom to develop as as they want to. Not like yeah. I don't lit or personal or um, any kind of limitation on that because it harms them. It stunts their growth. White um, said to us that um, he was trans. He should have been born a boy, and that um, he wanted us to use male pronouns. Um, and, and, you know, he chose the name Wyatt. And th- that was really, really hard. We, um, it was hard for me as a mom with a daughter, I think. I, I, everybody doesn't feel like this. I think, you know, I've, I've known different moms with kids in the community and transgendered kids. And some women are, um, some parents are really accepting. Some parents are really not. Some parents are in the space like, I never put any, you know, you don't, I didn't have any specific hopes for either of the kids, just as long as they grow healthily. I was in the spot with my daughter where I was like, um, 
this is hard to explain. I had a lot of like traditional hopes for my daughter to grow up and get married. And I don't care. But like I preserved my wedding dress for her. I was in love with her name. I was. Uh... Excuse me. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine, Dave. Take Just time. the thought of raising a woman um, and sending her out into the world, a woman who knew herself and was taught that it's okay to be who you want to be. And, um, you know, I think that you can kind of teach self-esteem and that you just support them and love them and let them know that it's okay to be who they are and it's okay to be different and to have dignity and to respect yourself and to respect other people. So I was, um, I, I was, I was very attached to those ideals. And I, um, I guess you don't, you really can't be ready for any yeah. of that you can't be ready for having kids. You can think that you're ready and you can plan, but, you, you can't be ready growth, you know yeah. your whole life's going to be different forever um and then so Wyatt was 12 years old and had actually just gotten his um cycle for the first time he probably wouldn't love me talking about that part but so it was like a special time for us you know going through puberty getting ready to be a teenager um so but then when that happened that that changed it changed our lives. It changed my relationship with Wyatt. Um, it changed Joey's relationship with Wyatt. It changed everything about our life. And um, the finality of it was like a little, it just was, he- the whole thing was heavier than I thought it was going to be. I didn't understand, like for all my liberal rambling, like, oh, I don't understand why people disown kids or why people are upset about kids who are from the community, you know, LGBTQ, transgender kids, gay kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I still believe that it's super important to accept and love these kids i would never make any other choice but i do understand now having gone through it um that the reason that people do that is because it's fucking hard and it's scary man it changes things um sometimes you know these kids have a higher potential to uh, to be victimized and to be harassed and bullied and the mental health piece the depression that went along with that and the yeah. you know the your brain is telling you you're something that you're not biologically there's going to be a lot of dissonance going on uh, mentally for you and it's it's depression um it depresses um kids that's why people heavily he's talking about um killing himself for a while so we went through sort of uh, my feelings about that aside we went through months with all the sharps and the chemicals locked up in the house it's like i eventually stayed with him out of school I watched him sleep. I didn't, you know, I I really sort of never left him alone over those few months. It was really scary. Um, But we did end up being able to connect him with a wonderful therapist. Um, He was part of the, um, um, a specialist for LGBT, so gender non-conforming and gender questioning kids was his specialty. And he was just like a wonderful human being. Shout out to Dr. Chung. He literally went first when he got to Germany. There wasn't a program for kids like Wyatt and they were slipping through the cracks. So he did the very hard work of sort of networking and organizing a group of, um, you know, a social safety net for these kids. And it includes um, the teachers, talk to the doctors, talk to the counselors, talk to the therapists, um, everyone, you know, to the parents, the staff talks to the parents, everyone worked together to support this child in school and at home and mentally and physically. And it just worked. Wyatt um, climbed out of the depression. 
He transitioned socially. It was seamless. Every time we had one or two, I think, small problems with Wyatt in school and other kids because kids are mean sometimes and they, they don't understand. Yeah, yeah they don't understand. Mm-hmm. But as soon as anything like that would happen, I would just contact one administrator and he would nip it, but he would do it in a, in a way that was like ethical, like to cause Wyatt and the other kids the least amount of disruption and, and pain as possible. So instead of throwing the book at these kids, so to speak, what yeah. he would take into consideration exactly who the kid was, why they said what what they said. If it was growth, you're gonna get in trouble. Like one kid one kid asked him why he doesn't have a, a male genitalia, not not using those words. So that kid got but every other kid was just kind of like, you know, rabble rousing a little bit, like picking and and um, they were all Wyatt's friends. So the administrator was able to counsel the kids and even sometimes punish the kids in a way that like let Wyatt keep his friends and didn't cause like more more harm than good. So I was also really, really impressed with the way they handled that. I think that um That's beautiful. Yeah, man. It just it just worked. It worked really well. Everybody stayed involved and focused and we got him through it. And um and he was he really loved school there. It was just so supportive. It was such a great opportunity to to be in a school like that around other military kids and just to have all that social acceptance and like um you know, and, and continuity. It's, he thrived there. He came right. out. I'm <clears throat> oh, sorry, Dev. No, for that's record, okay. Is that for here in America when y'all came back, or is that Germany for the, for the people? Wyatt came out and transitioned in Germany, but here okay. he's they, they already had protections in place for um, okay. kids, Q kids. So um, there wasn't any question. We just like had to get with the administration. We talked to them and he was he's he's allowed to use mail facilities. And there was like a, there was no pushback whatsoever. They already have okay. state board of education guidance in place. So like they're doing a really good job to try, you know, to do the best they can for all kids concerned here, too. So I'm, I'm glad that we came out here. Calvert County um, school system so far has been really wonderful. All right. That's good. That's good. Absolutely. Great about that. I didn't know. I was I was very scared to come back here because I didn't know how people would perceive Wyatt here, and I I didn't want him to um I didn't want him to get, fall back into depression and the suicidal ideation. I was really worried, but it, that it yeah. didn't have to. Be, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I mean I want to cut you off and slow your roll. I just just wanted to, for everybody else out there just to put the timeline together. Um, um you know why it's my guy. Yeah, she used to be my girl, but she's my guy now. It doesn't matter. I'm open book. So like, even then, like, um, as somebody's a friend. Oh well, first off, before I even go, are you done with your topic? Cause I know you probably got. We I know the whole story, so I know you got a lot to go. If you wanna, if you wanna tell, I don't know what you're gonna tell. I don't have a ton to say left. I just kind of want to. Um, I'm gonna shorten it up. Like I really could talk about this for 48 hours. Straight. Yes, me and you've had conversations where we can go three, four hours. So. Hey, Deb, uh, please, uh, please keep going from there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Wyatt is out of the woods and everything is seemingly fine. And then two months of normal life go by. And uh, Landon comes to me one night. My Our older son, he's 15, uh, Wyatt's brother, came to me one night and uh, texted me and asked me if I could come upstairs. He needed to talk. And I said, sure, of course. And I went up there and he said that um, he'd been having some really scary thoughts um, and that he was very, very depressed. And he, he thought that his thoughts 
excuse me, were intrusive and obsessive. And he was scared about what it meant. And I said, okay, well, I thank you. You know, he said a lot and I, um, so much has gone on with Lennon in the last year and a lot of it is extremely sensitive. So I'm not going to divulge a lot of, a lot of that. I don't want anyone to look at him differently or to cut us out of their life because they don't understand the entirety of the situation and the progress. And I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I think that like individually people are great and they're conscientious and they like to listen. And they're pretty understanding, but as a group, people are panicking and ignorant. And I, I, I cannot bear all those details and, and re- run the risk of hurting my son further. So I'm not. Yep, just tell us get... what you want to tell us. Okay. So, um, the, he goes to sleep. I said, well, are you okay tonight? Um, do you feel safe? Are you, you know, do you have a plan? Cause if kid is telling you that they're thinking about killing themselves, you need to ask them that, you know, do we need mm-hmm. now? Or do you think you can, you, um, you know, so I slept in there with him, uh, that night and he stayed at home. And then in the morning, dad took him to the doctor, to our piece, to the kids PCM at uh, pediatrics on Ramstein. And this doctor had never if she was his pcm both kids pcm but we hadn't seen her the entire t- the entire year we'd been there we never saw her once we saw another another cat um so we didn't know her at all uh, my husband took landon in and I, I stayed home with my mother who had just gotten there and um why it was in school so we were just kind of standing by and they uh, joey gave me a call and let me know um know once they got into the doctor's office and, and landon had spoken to the doctor that they were going to send him to a psychiatric facility for adolescents in Germany in Trier uh, for a few days because they were very, very concerned about his safety. And I said, um, I, I, on the phone, I asked whether or not, was it absolutely necessary? I didn't understand at the time what was going on with him. I didn't understand at all what, what, was go- what had been going on with him. Um, so I asked her, I was worried about like the introduction to facilities like that, like, is it going to cause more harm than good? Does he really need to go? And the doctor kind of like, Ooh, I'm just going to try to be kind and calm. <laughs> Sorry. No, we already know your feelings on that one. The doctor yeah. screamed back at me on the phone that this is the worst case of ideation she'd ever seen. And I, I, made this noise i like it was like a cry but it's like the pain cry like a mother's cry like i just screamed it was like i like a i let out some kind of like an inaudible moan and i cried and i couldn't catch my breath my mom asked me what was wrong and um i said it's okay we're gonna go ahead and um we'll take him there joey come on home so that the total lack of fucking bedside manner aside that was yeah. what was we were bringing him to um, this facility for adolescents so he could spend a couple of days on a, on a ward um, for his protection. And we did that. We came, they came home and we packed him a bag and we drove him out there. It was like about an hour and a half. And we got there and we got to talk to the doctors and um, a TRICARE representative actually met us out there and kind of handheld us through the entire, the, the entire um, process so that was really really helpful because the language barrier was a big deal oh yeah i care the military helps you in some ways we um so we so he spends a couple days in there and the doctor thought that it was okay for him to come home on friday we didn't understand exactly how to how to progress from there but our plan was to take to make an appointment a follow-up appointment uh appointment with him that next monday 
um, to go to his PCM so that we could talk about therapy or whatever it was. I had already gotten in touch while he was inpatient. I already had gotten in touch with his school and got like a tentative 504 plan. I got his work from the office. Um, I, I knew that I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew that it wasn't going to be like brief. Yeah. Um, so, cause like none of neither of the kids had been hospitalized like that. And it was, I was scared. So I, um, the doctor, um, so this is where it gets super crazy. <laughs> Landon's um, situation did did not work. We were not supported by the military um, going through it. Um, they made it much harder and caused a lot of harm to my family in the process. And um, so the, the way they reacted, uh, he got out on Friday. That was, I think, three or four days after he'd been admitted to Trier. And on the way home, we got a phone call from uh, 15, 20 minutes into the car ride. So he'd just been released 15, 20 minutes later. We got a call from my husband's commander. who was like a wonderful freaking human being, just like the most helpful, wonderful, fatherly, just like, I can't say enough about this person. Just like a consummate professional and a wonderful guy. I cannot yeah. say. He calls um, and then we get a phone call um, literally on my, like, so he called Joey on his phone and I thought that was strange but I didn't understand what was going on yet and then I got a call from on my phone from the principal of the high school oh, asking yes. knew about Lennon's um if I knew Lennon's whereabouts and I said of course I know where he is he's right here where else would he be but with his parents he's just being mm -hmm. released yeah and then I'm talking on the phone to that gentleman um uh, this doctor beeps in and so we're, we have three uh, authority figures on the phone at one time. That's overwhelming. With our son. So I, I, I don't know what they thought, but I, um, the like, what I find out later is, so um, I beep over on the phone to the doctor. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting turned around a little bit. Fine, so all three people are on the phone at the same time. I don't know what cur what the colonel is saying to Joey, but he's like trying to talk to him about coming in the office. And then all of a sudden, like I get a phone call from the principal asking me where my son's at, I'm like right here. And then I beep over, um, and it's this doctor. And I said, um, "Oh, okay, hang on one second. I need to beep back over and let the principal go. He he's on the phone." And she was like raising her voice and sounded super um, super punchy and pressed. And was like telling me that I needed to stay on the phone with her. And I was like, ma'am, ma'am, I need to beep over and let this other guy go. I'll like, I'm not hanging up. Everyone calm down. So I do that. And I, um, I get back on the phone with the doctor. And she says that um, she was extremely alarmed that they let Landon go from the hospital after just four days. And she found it um, at, at, when she found out that he got released, she called it her duty to report and called everyone who would listen and told them um, exactly what Landon had told her and that she was extremely concerned that he was going to hurt himself or someone else. And that we plan to send him back to school on Monday. Um, I'm not, sh I still don't understand where that piece came from. I don't know. Here's the first thing. I don't know who sends a kid back to school on Monday that gets out of a psych ward on Friday. That's the, yeah, that's, that's overdoing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe some people do it. I don't know. It, I'm not one of them. I never said that to her. That was never our intention. It was just like there was a there was a total lack of objectivity going on, and she was emotionally involved in it and not being objective. And I think that's where things started to get lost in translation. Um, okay. So 
the, um, what resulted was us being whisked into this meeting with my son that like, instead of going home to rest, he, he had to come to this meeting with Joey and I, and we went and, um, to the medical clinic over there on Ramstein. And we essentially sat at a table with a little board of medical, uh, talking heads. And we, we got our first shirt who was also a wonderful, wonderful human being to come and act as sort of a legal representation for us because we didn't, Everyone was so upset and saying scary things. And we had just gotten Landon um, out of this facility. I didn't understand what was going to happen. I was so scared by the time we got there. I was worried that they were going to like try and take him from us. I didn't know what was going on. They scared us bad. They made us come to the meeting not an hour after we, um, uh, not an hour after we got home. So a couple hours he'd been out. We went right to this meeting and uh sat in front of i think like uh like the smgs like representative who the doctor we were familiar with and not this other cranky lady but like the doctor who had actually cared for my children Mm -hmm. and um her boss and like i think the the new child psychiatrist or something that was there and like one other person whose name i can't um whose um, position i can't remember but they uh, they sort they just kind of grilled us and asked us a bunch of questions and I got a chance for, um, to tell them how scary it was. Um, they ended up they they told us that they pulled us into that meeting because there was a um, a an exercise coming on Monday and they just wanted to make sure that they were all in, or something about them all being in the loop or getting a handle on the situation before we went into a um, to the exercise. So I I don't I still don't think like any kind of like prior planning for exercise and calls for scaring the shit out of a family that's already going through some like really serious stuff with their child. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was short-sighted and it was really ugly. None of them seemed to understand that though. Everyone, um, every one of them kept saying, well, we just wanted to, um, you know, make sure we got a handle on it. And well, um, and that's we the problem. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll save my comments were... later. Sorry. No, you're good. I'll save it to later. Get your story out there. They were essentially um, suggesting that Landon and one of us um, parents, Joey or I, take a medical TDY back to the state so that he could get he he could get the care that the medical group on Ramstein thought he should get. So at this point, we have no diagnosis. None of these people know any of us at all. We've spent the last ten minutes together. That's how well they know us, right? They get the report, um, the you know the harm report or whatever you want to, I don't know what you call that, like the duty to report thing from this hyena of a doctor. So like, that's what they have at this point. They're all ramped up. Everyone keeps saying to me, we, we can't, we can't afford him care that we don't have here. And I, and I kept saying, no one knows what's going on with him yet. You're talking to me about moving a child who is in seriously dire straits mentally to a different fucking continent in two days. I, I don't think it's wise. The kid, he was losing by the time he left. He'd gone away inside. He was really going through some serious stuff. Yeah. And they're telling me to take my child on an airplane and take him to a continent where we have like basically like a smidge of the social support that we had, you know, we had, we had settled in. We had very good social support. Everything had worked for Wyatt. So we thought that we could orchestrate all Landon's care through the system and yeah. just it with the um with whatever is available in the community which by the way there is mental health care for kids in the community there is very little mental health care for kids on base like through ranstein through alarm c they don't have an army or an air force or an american uh facility 
like the one in Trier, four kids going through like with psychiatric conditions. They literally don't have it at all. So they were irritated um, that we were trying to seek help in the community. And essentially what they pushed for was us. They kept pushing this, like that you need to take a medevac and go get him help in the States. You need to take this medical PDY. And I asked them what, what our choice was in this, because it didn't seem like we had one. And they said, of course, we respect your choice in this. But that, that turned out to be a crock of shit, too. Yeah. So at this point, we, we leave this meeting, and I've, like, had it. All of us are exhausted. Um, and over the next week or so, our commander in our first shirt helped us navigate all these things. Um, and they were getting information down from the wing leadership, and they couldn't do anything about it. They didn't have any rights or protection in the situation, even though they're in leadership. We didn't have any rights or protection in the situation at all. We were gonna do what the wing asked us to do, and they literally didn't care what they had to do. What they ended up saying was that, um, they, you know, if we didn't take the medical TBY suggestion, was that they were gonna um, early return to dependence, me and the kids, and Joey would get stuck out there. They were just gonna like force our whole family out, um, or they, you know, a whole bunch of things that weren't good, like nothing good. We have three shit choices here. And the easiest one, um, we thought the easiest way would be to, to decide to piece us back together as a family to the place where Landon was getting care. So he got, um, they have wonderful, wonderful programs at Fort Belvoir Community Hospital in Virginia at Fort Belvoir. Um, they, they really are doing the mental health thing, right? Um, it, it turns out that they have the only program of its kind for adolescents um, needing inpatient psychiatric care. And they've built relationships with not only programs from the community for follow-on care, but like all kinds of um, programs within the hospital itself. They have a partial hospitalization program. It runs for eight to 12 weeks. The, it's like going to school, but they're getting intensive like treatment and stuff while we're there. And then they're home at night. So um we found that one and we've been here for 10 years before we left anyway. So we thought it would just be easiest to come back to Andrews um, because they were gonna force us out there. Um, the wing leadership within 30 minutes of us leaving the facility with Landon was telling our commander that he wants us all out now. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's some wild shit right there. What? <laughs> what yeah. The fuck? yeah. God. They had no concern for, for Wyatt having stabilized recently. They had no concern for Joey or what it would do to him mentally or professionally. They didn't have any idea. They, they had no concern for us whatsoever. They were covering their ass and punting it downhill. And that's that. Like, that's how the military handles mental health. Not all the time, but generally. And what's really scary and sad about that is that, like, some people don't have people in their corner rooting for them and moving mountains for them and doing whatever they can to, to, you know, hold these kids or these people up so that we can get them through the, you know, through the storm. So like, let's say that me and Joey um, were not, I don't know, not, not in the advocacy space, not educated about the importance of mental health and inter intervention. And we decide that we're just going to like sweep around on the rug, get this kid a therapist and like pray that everything works out. Like he might've killed himself. People are killing themselves in the military because because of the things that we're doing now. The suicide rate is getting oh higher. Oh my god! People are killing because of stuff like what we went through. Oh, hold a second, Dev. Hey, Dev, repeat that again. You uh, you cut out real quick. Go and repeat your last um, thought. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. 
I'm just, I'm just frustrated because I know that like that like that kind of strong arming and that kind of like insensitivity of like with with no thought for how it's going to affect anyone or the family in general is kind of the way we do things in the military um, where, where mental health is concerned. Like nobody wants to touch it. Everybody loves to talk about resiliency and make sure you're seeking help if you need it. And like, let's be resilient. But the second you reach out for help, what happened to land and happens to people in the military? And for you guys, it might mean losing your livelihood. So you literally have the choice between supporting your family and continuing to serve your country as a flyer faithfully or taking care of your mental health. And that's not a choice that we, we should be forcing people into. It is important to take care of your mental health. And whether the military thinks it or not, they are punishing people for seeking help. That's how it's translating on the outside here. That's how it's coming downhill to all of us. You yeah, might. I was on, I was on mute, Dev, and like yeah. you know, I pull on. Oh, hold a second, Manny. Hold a second, hold a second, Manny. Great. Yeah, Dev. Yeah, Dev, go on. I'm so sorry, Manny. Go ahead, man. No, no, we good. I mean, Dev knows more about my life than a lot of y'all, so she knows. I'm. I told her before we started this, it's gonna get real. So, but now let her finish her story though, because this is this this is beyond me. Yeah. So we so eventually um, we go um, in the next few days. We sat down. Um, the the shirt and the commander were just doing everything they possibly could to like console us and to hold us down. Like his wife was dropping us off food. She became like one of my best friends when we were there. Love her to death. Shout out Nika. Wonderful woman, wonderful friend, amazing mother, amazing commander's wife. I'll, hey. I'll never have another one like them. We really will have never have another leadership couple. And and everyone around them was just doing everything they could to try and help us, you know, fight the good fight. But it became apparent to me um, in the next week, uh, the commander, the first shirt called me and said that they had some new news. Could we come in to talk? Um, so we did that. Um, I think that afternoon of the next day. And that's when it became apparent that we just weren't, we were going to do what the military wanted us to do, which was to leave. Uh, we went into the office and they were trying to, so I th it seemed like that, like no one knew how to tell us this, you know? Um, so we, we talked for a while about what options we, I'd explored about the, you know, seeking mental health care for him in the, um, in the community, which I found in the KMC, it was a civilian um, expat American living in Germany, get, you know, get, trying to fill in some of that void that the military left without, um, you know, by affording psychiatric and psychological, uh, psychotherapeutic care to kids. So I found someone and, and we're in the office and we're talking about that. And um, the commander one, one of them told me that the wing leadership had consulted his legal team and they had banned Landon from all military bases in Europe for the next five years because the doctor told them that he had made a threat against other kids and kids that were bullying him in school. Yeah. So, I... I <laughs> I really need to explain that piece for one second, then I'll get back to that like really heavy bomb I just dropped. So Please do. Landon's been for all um, for from all military bases in Europe for five years, unless we can get a doctor to send, um, write write a letter saying that he's not harmful to himself or other people. So at this point, he wasn't a harm to himself or other people. Landon has had a lot of bullying in school. Um, this all happened because Landon was bullied really, really badly in fifth grade. 
and we didn't understand the the extent of the impact of that bullying at the time. We did seek therapy for him. We set, we sought medication. Um, we had like an academic support team for him. We moved him out of zone because they didn't punish those little monsters that ruined my child irreparably at all. They they did nothing to the kids. In fact, the principal at the time told me the girls told him that he had a part in it. Hey, Dev, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, you yeah, cut, you off, cut off yeah. a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, please please okay. continue your last thought. So, so he, um, yeah, Brandon won't even defend himself in a fight. He's not fucking violent. <laughs> he never has been, he, and he never will be. We, we actually recently found out that he was, um, we, we asked for some psychological testing, and we found out that he's also on the autism spectrum. So I think the the um, the course of the he's extremely high functioning. He's on one we want. There used to be like sort of differential diagnoses, like with with names, Asperger's, for example. I don't know what the other ones are, but uh, now there's just like level one, two, three, and four. Someone in the comments can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so he's on the on on the low end of the autism spectrum as well. And the doctors that we've been uh, working with over the last few months don't think that the bullying. Um, would have taken the court that that it wouldn't have had as heavy an impact on him if he hadn't been on the spectrum like maybe the way his brain works is just like you know it caused him it sort of launched him into um into having obsessive thoughts um about harming the people that hurt him about hurting himself um he he stopped being able to hold on to um you know form any friendships at school because it, these things were sort of on his on his mind all the time so by the time he told me what was going on with him, um, he really he really had gone away inside. He was seeing something that was scaring him. He was hearing things. Um, he he was not good. And um, so all so we find that out, and then we find out that um, the the wing on Ramstein is pushing our entire family out out of this country, right in the midst of all that. And after I'd heard, um, after they told me that he was, he was banned, even though like, you know, the, the, you know, the reason why he's, he had gone away inside is because kids had been mean to him for so many years because he's not like everyone else. It's okay, Dad. Keep it together. Yeah, take your time. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. And we can't even, you know, we, we could never even get him to defend himself in a fight or to defend himself verbally. He just wouldn't do it. He's a kind child. He's really big, though. You know, he's like 6'3 and 250. He's like a brick shithouse. So I think he scared the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, yeah, my nothing. My man's huge. He's, he's bigger than all y'all. Yeah, he'd be, he be also. Gen- gentle giant. He'd be a gentle giant, though. He's a teddy bear. I yeah, let him. He- really is he's a wonderful child he's um caring and loves people and is gentle and just is the kindest person um so that that's kind of i don't really know what else to say so that's kind of it they told me that he was that about that ban that banning and i just i fell over and uh, and I cried and I screamed a little bit too. And I ran out of the building and I just, uh, I went and tried to smoke a cigarette and stand by the car for a minute to like get, you know, get it together. And I just couldn't, I, I was inconsolable and I couldn't really breathe. And, uh, my husband came outside 
and asked me to come back inside and I, I wouldn't let him touch me or talk to me. I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. You know, I couldn't handle any of this. I didn't understand what was happening to my child or why the military, the leadership on base like that would forsake us after like 17 years of faithful service. Like we sacrificed a lot. You, you fly, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Joey That's doesn't awesome. know those people, so I just didn't, I didn't understand this. Our, our command was trying to back us up and do everything they could, and they just, um, the, the wing leadership would not, they were not concerned about our welfare or our, our general well-being. They were concerned about getting us out before something, you know, they were covering yeah. their, it's just really upsetting. I just don't, yeah. I want to any of those people understand how bad they've hurt us and how they punished a kid that thank god Landon asked for help god knows what would have happened yes. if he did and dev if you don't mind <laughs> one yeah. for, for a minute I, I, I don't know if i missed it ricky but can you tell the people the listeners the timeline all of this happened from the time you got to germany to the time you were back here one year to the uh to one year and two days yeah we got 2018 yeah. and we got back here Lennon and I were medevaced out two weeks after all that bullshit started happening um on and we got here October 3rd yeah and I just want I just want the people who are listening to read you know to think about that one year for your story to happen one year but I'll let you finish yours and you know I got a whole rant I'm trying to be quiet but go ahead <laughs> Thank you for participating, and thank you everybody for listening. I'm mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm rambling a little bit. You so to yeah, so they, they decided that we were gonna leave, and um, after I had a loud, loud cry, um, about 30 minutes later, I I wiped my face and I drank some water, and I went back in and I sat down and I asked them to tell me about the medical TDY and what that would look like, and when we would leave. So that was. Um, I think that was a Thursday or Friday. We left that next Thursday. Landon and I left. The plan was to have dad and, and Wyatt and my mother had been out there. Um, she, she came out to be with us for a few years, but um, thank God she was there because I had to leave. Landon and I were medevaced out on, on a Thursday morning and we got back here. I think I got to the hotel like two o'clock that next morning um, after he had been admitted to inpatient care. But um, Joey and Wyatt and mom were in Germany for months. We were, we were separated for months and, and uh, the medical group was supposed to be paying for everything. And they, they eventually did, but there was constant problems. Um, things like I was trying to put everything, uh, rental cars, hotel on a government travel card that was um, that was authorized by the med group to be used for this medical TDY, even though I'm not the member. But it, that didn't work in, in practical application. I went to rent a car, and they forced it through for me the first time, and then I went to renew the car, and they just took it away from me because I didn't have the physical card in hand. I'm like stranded in Southern Maryland with Landon on Fort Belvoir, trying to renew a rental car and it just gets taken from me. And like, I don't have any money. We were trying to, you know, maintain two separate households. We, we really like ran up some debt doing that. It's not easy. Even with the med group, you know, giving us their little Trump change here and there. So like we would, how it would work was we would pay out of, out of pocket for things or put things on GTC. And then we would fill, um, 
fill out like interim travel vouchers, I guess. So you have to wait on it. And coming from, I don't know what the difference is between the financial system in Germany and here, but you do not get things quickly from finance like you do here. It takes months to get TDY pay. There was, it was just constant, constant stress and struggle. And the whole time I'm, you know, I think the first inpatient stay for Landon was 20 days. I was here by myself um, living in a hotel, going to see my son every night for, for a few hours. Um, they didn't do that thing where they kept me from seeing him for the first few days. They just do the really healthy thing and like, let you see your child. So I was thankful for that. And if I, if I could just say how wonderful these people and programs and even the administration at Fort Belvoir Community Hospital, they have so many wonderful evidence-based, thoughtful, like continuity programs there. And the staff cares. They have programs for veterans. They have programs for kids. They have, they, they are the, like some of the only people that I see in the military worldwide that are doing these kind of like life-changing things for people experiencing mental health um, issues, honestly. I can't say enough. I wouldn't have made it. I don't think Landon would have. There's a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of great people doing exactly what they need to do for people. So if you're looking for care, it's out there. It's, it's not spread all over the military, but Fort Belvoir's doing it right. Okay. I'm, I'm very humbled and thankful to be, to be able to have the, uh, seek that kind of help for my son. He spent 20 days in inpatient. He spent another eight or nine weeks um, in the partial hospitalization program. He went right back in to in treatment over Christmas. Um, my mother came down and spent Christmas with me. And then um, Joey took Wyatt once they finally got here um, to his parents. Cause we, you know, we'd plan on that and I didn't want to do that to Wyatt. Yeah. We, we lived in hotels for four months. I lived in a hotel from October 3rd October, November, December, until almost the end, um, a little, I think like mid-January. Okay. I lived in a Holiday Inn Select for a few weeks. And then when Landon got out, we went and lived in um, in Fairfax, right down the street from Belvoir there in that beautiful embassy suite by Hilton. That wasn't too bad. I'm not going to lie to It's not like a break. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't great. It was very painful and scary all the time. But and sometimes, you know, they shut off the GTC because we couldn't pay it, you know, until until like you you file the voucher and everyone gets their shit together and like puts it through for you. And you're fighting the time difference. And, um, you know, depending on who you're talking to, the language barrier, it just it was I can't put into words how crazy and painful and scary it was. I really can't. I really can't like my, I was, I was scared about my youngest child, um, you know, falling back into depression or something worse. Joey was super stressed out. Joey had to deal with a lot of things that I, as a homemaker have always dealt with, you know, uh, PCS moves, all the little things, packing up the house, yeah. all that, everything you do to get ready, taking, getting records, taking kids out of school. My mom was there to help him. So he didn't have to do it all alone, but this was the first time he looked at most of this stuff. He's, I don't work because he travels so much on the one that does that stuff. So they had to, you know, navigate life, like some of the most stressful stuff in military life, PCSing, especially from, uh, from overseas by himself. And, um, being separated was, was stressful in a way I didn't, I didn't expect it to be because you guys are gone so much. I just, yeah. it's I, just different. Yeah. The same. I've never been in that position. It's always been Joey. So I'm always kind of like 
encouraging everyone to talk to him every day, stop in traffic when he get you know, finally gets on the phone, sort of orchestrating life around that. Um, but so I've never been the one to have to leave before. And that was crazy too. Um, it was those, those first couple months were real lonely. I, I think that if, um, if I didn't have you guys looking out for me during that time, I don't, I, I, I don't know if I wouldn't have taken my life. I thought about it. Um, I thought about it hard. I went and got a couple of safety checks from the, from the ER at Fort Belvoir when I was feeling unsafe, like I was having specific thoughts about killing myself, like go and get checked. That's what you have to do. If you're feeling, not, if you're feeling unsafe, you probably aren't. Because <laughs> I don't, um, I do suffer from depression. I have for a lot of years, but I never, ever have thoughts about taking my life or leaving my family. I was having thoughts about abandoning all of them and just like, I couldn't handle any of that. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I wasn't ready for any of that. And I still kind of can't, it's hard to wrap your mind around like the amount of change and pain that's gone on in the last 12 months. It's enough. Like most people don't have to go through that in their whole life. And we had to go through it in a year and to watch my children suffer like that all year. I just, and it was hard. And to understand also that we missed a lot of what was going on with Landon. So from the bullying in fifth grade, he was just in in um, going into ninth grade. From the bullying in fifth grade, this had been getting worse and worse. And we had sought years of intervention, psychotherapeutic intervention, psych, um, psychotropic drugs, you know, therapy, school support, academic support team, everything I could think to do. Yeah. I, through it I was there every day with him and I still missed what was going on with him I just didn't understand how heavy it was for him. and I feel I feel I still feel super guilty about that you shouldn't nah, when it comes to but like yeah. you can tell me that I shouldn't but I I do feel guilty I'm his mother I don't even yeah. work out the home I, I was with him every single day I Crawled into his face, and I didn't, you know, I, I don't understand. I've, I've hugged my kids and helped them every day since they were born. I've never spent any time away from them. I'm very aware all the time of what's going on with them, or I thought that. And then after um, after realizing how, how seriously this had affected him and the fact that we just didn't, we were seeking intervention but missing the mark for that many years, it really... It really was a devastating realization for me as a mom. Like, what what the fuck was I thinking? Like, was I listening? Could I have mitigated some of this for him? Honestly, it's That's like... We're yeah. at right now. We're just into... Um, Joey and Wyatt came back right before Christmas... And uh, we lived in a fully furnished TLF out here in Calvert County. Thankfully, we found one um, so that we could we could transition Wyatt back into school at least, try and get some normalcy back. We we are just here two months in our actual house. Yeah, just be blessed you're in your house before all this went down because it's crazy out here now. Like... It's beautiful out here too, man. We live right on the water. Our our decks it's over the bay it's beautiful we're the beach and the boardwalk are five minute walk around the corner it's nice let me uh let me say this um first of all dev what you went through was uh something that not a lot of human beings can um can handle it's not something i mean parenting is a 
I mean, it's something we learn on the fly, you know. It's no, so I don't care about all the damn books that have been written, how much advice you get, you know. You never know what hand you're going to be dealt with as far as your child comes into this world. But honestly, and I've told you this, when you were going, when all that was popping off, I'm like, what you're going through right now is that's something a lot of people can handle. And the fact you're even here in front of me having this conversation shows a sign yeah. of strength that you have inside of you, inside of Joey, inside of your kids too as well. Um, your friendship to me is beautiful for your, your family too as well. Um, gotcha. If you can uh, update us before I open the floor up to uh, the rest of uh, BNY, how, what is uh, the current state of everything right now? How is everything going for you as of today? I would say that everything's going really well through this. Um, thanks for saying that because it, it prompted me to say some things that I was about to forget about. So through this, I we've sought a, a ton of intervention, like intervention, intervention, intervention. Landon's gotten to um, benefit it from the programs that he took part in in Fort Belvoir. He still sees a, a, an individual therapist weekly who is also super wonderful, consummate professional, loves Landon, is helping him. Um, we got the psychological testing. Um, I requested it and took a couple months, but the doctor, Dr. Albright was able to um, give us a full psychological evaluation. That's how we found out that he was also, and, um, we, she was able to put us in contact with an applied behavioral analyst who's going to come to the house when all this, um, pandemic shenanigans are over and help him with like normal life skills. That'll help him transition into the world so okay. he can have normal life. Um, he also, we also got in touch with a family therapist at the key center in, um, Fairfax County, Virginia, Northern Virginia, and she's wonderful. And we're all seeing her, um, as a family once a week on Tuesday. And, uh, Joey and I have sought out some marriage counseling and that's been really fruitful because all of, um, Wyatt sees an individual therapist and they both have a psychiatrist that helps them, uh, with meds. And um, I just see my PCM for meds. I do take some psychotropic meds for depression and anxiety, ADHD. Um, they've been controlled for years and years, so I don't have to see a psychiatrist for it anymore. But um, I, I have been seeking out, a, seek out an individual therapist for myself. Everyone is in a really good um, place right now. I am really, really depressed, though. Um, I still can't talk about this. Without crying, um, I'm I'm depressed because like my heart's broken, you know. Is that the wrong Not only yeah. did we, um, did I have to watch my kids suffer and uh, make some really crazy decisions around all that, you know, and just kind of pray and hope that it goes it goes well, and it did, and I'm thankful for that. But um, I didn't want to leave Europe. It's beautiful there. I found a group of the most caring, wonderful, present folks. Um, that surrounded me socially and just like I got back into my art and music out there it was I really had um, I really hadn't had that social experience here at all so I made some lifelong friends and um, they um, <laughs> excuse me you're fine you're fine I made some friends and got to see some of the world for the first time and just um, personally it was a great time of growth for me and um right now I'm grieving a couple of things but I'm also honestly and selfishly and like that's okay like I'm grieving what was taken from me in all this I think it's um a lot of what happened it wasn't anybody's fault I think the military behaved badly generally with Lynn's situation but um 
I'm angry that we don't have any rights or protection against those people. You know, I, th I think that like Joey does whatever he has to do all the time for the military every single day, no matter what it costs him personally, no matter what it costs us as a family and to, and to be treated like that reoriented my view of the military and how I fit into it and my kids. And it did that same thing for Joey. Um, the military will eat you up and spit you out when it's done with you. Do not put all your eggs in that basket. <laughs> no, I'm also, I'm grieving my daughter and I'm grieving like what I thought was going to be the life of my son. And um, I'm grieving not being able to be in a beautiful place where the water is fresh and the food is fresh and the people don't fucking care what you do. It's just like that the social environment there is wonderful. I just, I felt free there. I felt like myself again. It feels like my home, you know, like I'd never felt at home in Maryland. And I did feel like Germany was my home. I loved my house. I loved my neighbors. The, our military family was amazing. Um, I got back into, I had a couple of, of very, very important running volunteer commitments with um, the musical theater teacher there. Um, so I got to do like I I got to build sets for the musical there, and I um I just really got into was able to do some things that I never thought I would get a chance to do, or things that I never thought I would do again, and um and that that stopped immediately when all this happened and we got sent back here. I don't um I'm really struggling with all of this. I'm very sad all the time, and um uh, I can't stop even though I'm journaling and we're you know, taking part in all this therapy and, and we're on the road to healing and growth. It's wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but I can't stop thinking about how shitty and unfair all of this is. And for the first time in my life, I can't convince myself to move past it. I don't know. I don't know how to erase this from my mind. I just can't. It's just heavy on my heart and I can't stop crying about it. And I don't know when it's going to stop. Like when I'll feel better, if I'll feel better. Let I'm me trying to put one foot in front of the other and continue to to move and accomplish things for my family and my kids, and it's like the only thing getting me through this right now. That's the best way. Let um, let me pass it on. Not well, not to you, Dev, but the man, Dev. Um, yeah, because one thing with yeah. one thing with Dev too, as well as that, he's also prior Air Force, and this man always has good words of encouragement, just a good perspective for everything. So just something that just helped not just you out there, but everybody out there just listening to as well. Dev, sir, the floor is yours. Um, so Dev, uh, Dev, Dev one and Dev two. Um, I, I first want to start out by saying, um, your, your story like is beyond incredible. Um, and, and I'm not saying that like, lightheartedly i mean that in in every aspect of me expressing that to you right now um i think it's amazing that you shared that with us and you are like that strength that you are to go public you know what i'm saying not just to friends and to family but to put that type of story out there i think it's incredible um because not only do you hear about this in society, of course, you hear about mental health, you hear about people's struggles and parent struggles and, and certain individuals in the LGBTQ as far as transgender go and, and their struggles and kind of finding themselves and coming to terms with who they are. And then you hear about it in, in, in society. You don't hear about it in the military. No. 
And people are afraid. Your, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. This, this no, is please. your... Uh, no, please. And, and, and your story comes from such a unique perspective that, of course, people need to hear it. Military individuals, families need to understand that, yo, we're human too. Like people, like we we may accomplish some superhuman things. I'll be the first one to say that. Uh, But we're still human, Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that very basic principle when it comes to the military. And as you said, when you were you know speaking, you begin to dive into why the suicide rate within the military community has been growing exponentially um, from its inception up until within the last two decades. Why it's just exploded. It's because there isn't an outlet. There isn't a proper outlet. There aren't proper channels to express or to find help. Um, just as you say, like when shit hit the fan when you were in Germany, like the the first thing was to cut bait and run. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, let, let's get rid of the toe. Fuck, you know, if we can get rid of this and just move on, we will limp on with nine, as opposed to dealing with whatever the, the ailment was, as opposed to dealing with it, fixing it. That was a prime opportunity to use you all, your family, as a learning curve, as a means to put certain uh, infrastructure in, spe- in place to help some- not only do you all, hey, look, we're going to figure this out together. We ain't got it right now. Well, we're going to figure it out. But every step of the way that we're figuring out is going to be a step in the right direction for someone who comes after you that may experience the same exact thing. So for, for them to cut you all off like that, it's mind-blowing to me because you're, you're, you're taking away a... And, and I'm not... I hope I'm saying this correctly, not to use you all, but you're using uh-huh. a prime example of what it means to, to be able to show people how to deal with this and how to overcome and what steps to take like to just cut away from that and to just throw your hands up and wash your hands and be done with it you lost valuable experience a valuable learning experience in doing that and i think it was just foolhardy uh, I, i'm honestly i'm i'm appalled um for my own reasons um because it, it speaks to a bigger issue. And I think there's been an awakening within the military in general, especially with the younger crowd and, and the newcomers, where they started to understand, like, there's an issue uh, with leadership in the military as a whole. Like, there's a severe disconnect between the upper echelon and the everyday worker bees like us. Like, it's like they don't understand. Like, it's like life doesn't happen to them. Like they have reached a place in their life where they are just completely uh, immune to life and to the struggles of of being an airman, being a soldier, being a marine. And you, you can definitely, you all were definitely that bridge to kind of bring them back to re- reality. But the fact that they, how they handled it, is just appalling. Um, I'm gonna touch on a few things and then I'm gonna pass it on. Um, your your uh, your your situation, though it's not similar, as in you know, what I'm saying what was being dealt with, the reaction from the upper echelon and how they dealt with you all, it, it brings me back to remember something that I experienced as a staff and as a supervisor. Well, before I got out, it was one of the the driving forces of me getting out. 
I had the truth. Hard time. Couldn't pay certain bills, new family, you know, kids, you know, new car. And there was just a lot going on. He just didn't have certain money to cover certain things. And he goes to a company. Yeah, just just basic. This is something that happened. You know, a bill comes up. Something that's a little bit extra. You know what I'm saying? Something that you can't necessarily cover right then and there. He comes to us, comes to the shop, comes to his supervision, asks for help. You know, so there's certain things in place as far as the, uh, you know, the AFRC, you know, the Air Force loan, Falcon loan, things like that. To kind of, you know, to help. But the issue and, and where it relates to you is at the end of, of receiving a Falcon loan, at the end of going through getting the approval by the commanders and the first sergeant, going through all this whole process, you know what this troop ended up being faced with? An LOR. An LOR for uh, financial fiscal irresponsibility. Wow. Now, you're, you're talking about a first-termer who is like, we thump, we thump, Bible thump, thump, thump. Come to us for help. Talk to us. Yeah. Reach out to us. We are here for you. If you are having financial issues, talk to us. If you are having marital issues, talk to us. Family, in general, whatever it is you have going on, come to us. It's better that you come to us than for you to deal with it by yourself and potentially something tragic happens or, you know, something worse. And when you all reach out, you're such as yourself, your family, or in case my troop reaches out for something to, for some help, Okay, we'll we'll offer it on our terms, but on on the back right. end, you know, you, you you see like what's really going on in the background as far as oh, okay, well, this individual we're gonna give you an LOR, or in your case, look, you might just need ten minutes of talking to these individuals. They're already telling you that you need to go back to the states. What kind of shit is that? How does that help? How does that foster that trust within the military community, within the Air Force community, with in general, what type of, of, of trust fostering are you attempting to, you know what I'm saying, create? It's, it's crazy to me. Uh, I, hats off to time, you. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, please. Please. Hats off to you. Please. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Hang on a second. Um, I think what's really frustrating about that kind of like harmful response the one that we got the story that you told is that if you you can you can talk all day about being here for people and you know making sure they talk to you tell us what's going on with you tell us if you need money tell us if you need help and then immediately turning around and legitimate like punishing people for reaching out for that help and i don't have to tell any of you this but like by the time a military member tells someone that they're not good, they're like way past. Yeah, that. we hold it in. Because you really are way past. Family, like uh, all these other social, th- you know, ideals and stuff like that, like personally held beliefs that go into that. And then you ask someone for help, and like they help you, but they also shit on you. That is just not part of what's supposed to be going on around here. How yeah. can they say that they're not for help and then hurt? seek help i don't it just doesn't make you're right can you hear me it kind of uh, faded out yeah you fade out towards the end say that last point of yours it just it just doesn't make good sense there's they're calling for us to, 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 
like who's there to help me? Reach out for help. Reach out for help to money. Reach out for help with the marriage of your kids and then and then they do paperwork and they take off my status. It happened to be in the military. Jelly was deployed for the first two years of Lennon's life in Italy on hard weeks back, one month back, etc. For two yeah. years straight. An air traffic controller. I worked shift work. I stopped sleeping. I had to go to mental health. They immediately took me off of flight status. I caught super hell from everybody around me because I, they took me off of the rotating crew and put me on nine to five so I could go to the therapy and stuff like that. My yeah. boss um, were understanding at the time. Like I, I had a supervisor that was very, very caring and there for me the entire time. Um, if I didn't have this person batting for me all the time, I would have got thrown under the bus by the leadership. They didn't care. They just expected me to function, but I couldn't, man. I was struggling. If I could, um, my job I'm sorry, go ahead, Dev. Safety. So I, don't under, I don't understand. It's just not valuable to punish people who are seeking for help, um, you know, reaching out for help when, in fact, like a, when you have a job that concerns <laughs> like about the difference between me being good at work and me not being good and maybe costing someone their life. So I don't understand. So, it, you know, if, when it's seen through to fruition, it really is kind of harmful. And they're, they're not taking ethical decision-making processes into what we should do with these people. Positive reinforcement, like the carrot, is just so much better than the stick. It just is. It's yeah. like says science, says decades old, decades worth of peer-reviewed literature. Forget what I think. We can't, we can't keep saying be resilient and then do the exact opposite and expect people to thrive. For sure. If I can, before I pass it off to Trev, I'll just read a couple comments here. Uh, Leah, shout out to uh, Leah Nelson. Uh, Dev, your German family, uh, your German family misses you. Uh, please know you have every right to grieve and cry about what happened to to you. You are human. You are a strong mom and incredible person. You will get through all of it, and it takes time. Absolutely agree. Thank you, uh, Lisa. Uh, thank you for sharing your story, Dev. I'm sorry for all that that happened to you. Uh, I'm so, I'm Take that back. I'm sorry for all that you and your family have gone through in such a short period of time, especially when you thought the military would have your back instead of really screwing you over. But it's so clear that you're an amazing person, caring and incredibly courageous. And the fact that your kids came uh, to you with their feelings and felt comfortable opening up to you about their struggles in the first place is a testament to how you've uh, built that trusting and loving relationship with them. Your ability True. to be open and vulnerable with your feelings is inspirational. Absolutely agree. And uh, also uh, for Manny, too, as well. Uh, Terry, uh, Terry Pock, shout out to Danielle. Uh, Terry. And I were, um, poor, were uh, treated so poorly when I first got pregnant with Cruz. If it wasn't for Manny constantly going to bat for me and Terry, and he wasn't even my supervisor, we would have struggled so, so much. I'll never forget the mountains he moved for us. I actually, I had, help from, actually had help from Joey and, and, and Nelson and David. For that, we 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 remob together for that one. So I can't take that all alone. Mister Daniel, Mister Daniel Pop. Yeah. Trev, floor is yours, uh, my my guy. Oh, the youngest <laughs> in the in the game, mental health. Um, so this is not kind of crazy to you guys, but uh, growing up and for say a good lot portion of my life, um. I didn't understand uh, how people were always sad and depressed like that. Because I'm a very happy person. I've always been happy. Um, so in my mind, I was like, how are people 
not happy because I kind of look at it as happy as a mindset. Um, and I, that works for me and me, you know, everybody has different things. Um, and obviously it wasn't until I joined the military where I started to realize, okay, you know, for me, that works for me, but everybody else is different. Everybody else goes through their own trials, tribulations, and some people, you know, they go through a lot tougher things I can. They, they have to deal with it their own way. And some people just can't outright deal with it. Um, and mental health for me, uh, didn't, I didn't really take mental health all that seriously, um, until one of my closest friends, uh, he, he went through, still going through, uh, his process. Uh, he was depressed and at first, you know, I knew he was depressed and I knew, uh, he had his own little thing going and we would talk about it, um, from time to time and I was just like, Hey man, how you doing? You know, check up on him. Um, but it wasn't until he actually told me, because uh, we were at a, we were at Chipotle, and uh, he just started out, out crying. We were we went out to lunch, uh, during uh, during work, uh, and we were in Chipotle, and he just started crying. And I was like, "What in the world is going on? Like, I have no idea." Um, and I kind of started to piece together what was going on, so I just packed all our stuff up, and I was like, hey, "Let's go." Um, so you know, we went in the car and everything. And we just, I just let him start talking. Um, and that was the first time he revealed to me that he was um, thinking about killing himself. Um, and one of the words, one of the phrases that he used that really kind of like haunted me the most, um, he said, if I had a gun of our work, if we had a gun in the house, I would have used it already. Um, and as like somebody, like I'm his little brother, somebody who looks up to him, who's somebody that uh, is very, he was just like me. He's always happy all the time. You know, he always is a strong person and whatnot. And for him to tell me that, uh, I was like, I had no idea, you know, I was in the military for about three and a half years up to that point. And kind of like what you guys say, you know, uh, in the Air Force, they always talk about, you know, what you're supposed to do in case somebody, you know, says, hey, I'm thinking about killing myself. You're supposed to answer, ask them these follow-up questions and, and things like that. But the reality of it is if somebody that you truly care about tells you something or even any stranger, you're not going to, you're going to freeze, I think. I mean, there might be some people that won't freeze, but majority of people, they won't have the words um, because there are no words. You can't give them that. It's magic and make the situation better. Um, but we talked it out, you know, and I finally was like, all right, man, like, you've been doing this by yourself. Like, let's actually try and, uh, you know, go, go do something about it. So I eventually convinced him to go at least schedule a mental health appointment. And so he did that. Um, he never told him that he was thinking about killing himself, but he went there and started talking and talking and talking. Um, but then one day he just had a really bad day and he was talking to his, his uh, counselor. And I guess it kind of came out that he was in fact thinking about killing himself. Um, and so up, up to that point, like he did everything on his own. Like he went to mental health himself. He was doing all of these things and it wasn't helping for him up to that point. So he's like, all right, like maybe I should admit myself. So he was thinking about admitting himself. Um, but right before he was going to, his leadership found out, and they pretty much forcibly forced him into, um, like, going into psych. And the psych ward at, at Belvoir, actually. Um, so I was, ironically, on a trainer. Um, so I was doing a power on trainer, and he called me. He's like, hey, bro, like, where are you at? What are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm doing this power on trainer. He's like, if you can get home, get home. So I was like, all right, like, this is, like, something serious. Um, so I was like, I was my instructor. I was like, listen, like, I know this is a foreigner thing, but I really have to go. Um, so I straight up told my instructor, I was like, I'm going, like, I'll tell you later. 
uh, once I figured out what's going on. I was like, all I know is it's mental health related, and that's it. And luckily, my instructor was willing enough to be like, all right, and, you know, go take care of you, which is one thing I do like about our squadron. They're pretty family-oriented. Um, and so that's when I found out that he was, in fact, getting admitted into uh, Fort Belvoir forcibly. Uh, and he he hated that. He hated that it was a forced thing because he he wants he likes to have control of situations, um, and for him not to have control, um, that irritated him even more. Um, especially if he already planned on on doing it. Um, but he was, so you know all all that happened. Um, and we went down. You know I drove him down and everything. Um, and he didn't get admitted because, um, they had faith that I would be able to take care of him, um, which kind of made me feel good, you know, and made him feel good that kind of realized that he does, in fact, have somebody he can kind of turn to. Um, but yeah, for me, that, that was that was when I started to kind of reflect inward because um, I was like, well, if, you know, he he has his things that he deals with and we've talked about them, you know, and me and him are pretty much the same person. I was like, well, what is, what's in within, within me that uh, I I don't really even face or some things that I, you know, I don't, I don't deal with. Um, and I did that, and, you know, there's some, there's been some things in my life that I've gone through, um, that nobody should ever have to deal with. Um, and because of that, I decided to, you know, schedule my own appointments and go talk to that and kind of take my own mental health seriously. Um, so because of, you know, of that situation that helped me realize how serious mental health is and kind of become an advocate more for mental health. Um, and I'd like, also like to say, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, it's very important that people share their stories that way. People who don't have to deal with those kind of things can kind of understand that this happens to the majority of people and not just think that, you know, being happy is mentality like I did, um, you know, which was a very, a very dumb thing to, to think uh, now that I think about it. Um, but, yeah, so thank you, you know, for sharing that. Um, that's all I have. Thank you for sharing that. It's not dumb to think that you're you're young. Um, as we as we experience, like you learn, it just is what it is. I'm still learning things every day. I'm almost forty. Just is what it is. Like especially if you're raised in a house, like my mom broke the cycle for us to seek mental health care if we needed it. Um, mm-hmm. In her family, a lot of people uh, from that generation, it wasn't okay to say that you weren't good and that you needed help. Like you just needed to rub some dirt on it, fuck, knock it off. You know, like you're being crazy, knock it off. <laughs> like, that's what they would say. You be all right, get over it. Yeah. And that's how they, sort of that generation, in certain circles, I guess, dealt with stuff like that. So I think it's like, it's awesome that you were there for your friend. And it, it does take a strong person to do that, but it will bring some stuff up for you. So I'm glad that you sought help too. It's not like everybody could use a little mental health maintenance. Everybody could use someone to talk to that's objective. It's free mm-hmm. in the military for us. Seek it out. Exactly. Yeah. Important. I'm really thank thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you listening to. Manny. <laughs> so Dev knows we done been through. We and Dev done went through that together. Like my story's not the same as hers, but I've been through my own, and we went through the same time. And me and Dev leaned on each other. I'm not gonna get into mine because it's not important. But like, like, I, like I told y'all, I said, hey, we gonna do this today, like. You're gonna keep me in check today, right? Like I mm-hmm. I found this very it's a very important important factor of people's lives. No matter how good or bad you think you are, 
people should occasionally go just get a little self check. And um, like I, I just I believe in that. And even then, like with this pandemic going on, this is more of the real reason. I, you know, I think it's more important than usual. There's a lot of people alone right now. There's a lot of people that's with people that haven't been with in a close setting as long as they have been quite some time. So, yeah. like, a lot of stuff gets, you know, displayed. Because even then, there's people, you know, you got families that go to work, go to school, do all that. And now they all in the house all the time at the same time. Like, it's going to do something to you. So, like, I mean, it's a change of life with the whole COVID thing. And I hate to lean on the COVID thing because the dev story was very inspirational. Dev story is, you know, breathtaking, to say the least. Like, um... I don't want to take away from that, like, because when Dev told me and Ricky, me and Ricky, we 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 worked together with everything, and like, mm-hmm. I was taken back, and I can't respectfully say the words I feel for how that whole thing went down because you know I was in the space too, so I seen it a different way. So like, um, I I'm, I'm just glad that Dev had friends like us, and I'm glad I have friends like Dev, you know, and like. I encourage everybody to be, you know, thought like, you know, be responsible for like, hey, it's hard. It is going to be hard to know when you hit the edge, you about to hit that cliff. It's really hard. You never know you're going to hit that cliff until you're already over it to the average person. So, like, just I want everybody to take their time out, do a self check, you know, like, how am I really? And most people really do need to go see somebody. I do, as me included. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not perfect by any means. So, um, I mean, we all had these stories and stuff like that. Unfortunately, I cannot share mine just yet. One day I will. I'll let Ricky get the inside scoop on being wild before I write the book. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, I'm just glad I have a support system. You know, like these guys right here in this podcast with me, everybody included, you know, Dave, even though you're a guest, you know, you're the real one. You're the bestie. So, like, hey. Dev, Joey, they've been with me for a long time. I've known Dev for a decade now. Like, we, like, I, I'm greatly appreciative to the people I have. Now, to everybody else who might be listening that might be in that dark place that won't admit it, like, don't sit in there by yourself. There's always someone there for you. Like, I've been in some dark places in the past couple years. Dark places. And if you got to call somebody, do not be afraid to because you don't understand what you're losing if you take your own life. You don't understand what you're losing if you go out and do something stupid. Like, I take that seriously. And if someone calls me, I will drive up in a pandemic, mask on or off, you know, to, to help you out. You know, like, it's just a it's a very sensitive subject to me. And even in that I'm still trying to figure it out, that might be that might make me more apt to deal with yours. I'm more understanding, you know. Like, me and Dev, we suffered together, you know. It was completely different, but we suffered together. So, like, and, like, and we're genuinely friends. I'm friends with the rest of y'all, too, but that's my favorite. But, um, you know, it's like... <laughs> I, I, I really don't want to go too deep into it, because, you know, Ricky, I told you, this is, it's it's... It's sensitive. It really is. I got you. I'm in a. I, I'm in. A, I'm. We're, I'm in a pandemic here in D.C. Technically alone. My brother's here, but my kids are in um, San Antonio, and I constantly worry about them. People may think yeah. otherwise, but we're not going to go past that. And that's all I have to about to say about no, we're that. Not, we're not going. We're not going down we're that. We're not going to do that. We're not, not going that. down that not road. Today. Not, not today. today. 
I'm gonna tell a quick story, then um, we'll do a couple final words and go from there. Um, I got back from a deployment in 2012 from Afghanistan. I volunteered to go. Um, you know, after I got back, I was uh, I noticed a few things with myself. Um, I was doing things, but my brain was like. It's like I was I was watching myself do stuff that I didn't realize what I was doing. Like like why, why would you say that? Like why why are you doing that right there? Like it was just it was wild. This was going on for maybe like a couple months. You know, some days I'd be cool. Some other days it'd just be like just just crazy. So eventually, it was Christmas time. Um, it was a, it actually wasn't a very good Christmas really. Um, and a friend of mine told me say, hey, maybe we should go you know seek some help. I'm not gonna go into the rest of that. Not today. Maybe another day, but not today. So I did. I went to go uh, seek help for um, for that time right there. That um, for everything that happened during that deployment, everything I had someone that actually sit there and talk to on a professional level that really didn't have any background with me too as well. But one of the things for that guy from that, it, everything worked out. Of course, I'm fine now. Um, at least I think I'm fine. Um, what we do here on this podcast too is also what I always say: it's a it's a form of therapy. You know, I want to give everybody a chance to tell whatever story they have. And however they want to tell it here, you know, everybody get their time to speak how they want to. Um, I know for me that, you know, something like this back then anywhere would have, would have helped out a lot too as well. So if we, you know, if I could just take my experience, just get back to the community any way possible. You know, that's what I'm all here for. So thank you for everybody out there sharing your story because it's um and I ain't really go too much detail with that. I just want to keep it kind of short, but it's uh it's it's a lot of crazy shit out here too as well, and we all we all need a helping hand. Yeah. Check in on your people. If you haven't talked to someone for a while, you know they alone, text them. Call yes. them. Call Skype. them. They need to know that someone cares. A lot of people yes. are feeling hopeless right now because we're all at home, even those of us that are still getting paid. Um, and, you know, we're not necessarily struggling during the pandemic, yeah. but people are, yeah. I heard the, say it over one of the, um, one of the commander calls. He kind of reminded everyone that they still have a job and a purpose and to sort of do Sam Fox University or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, you know, he said something without coming out saying, like, we need you here. Please don't hurt yourself or, you know, please don't check out. And uh, what, what you also don't want to do is, like, walk through life without getting help, even if you don't end your life, um, even if you're not having, um, you know, psychological dysfunction and that way or suicidal ideation. You need don't go through years of your life not talking about what's going on with you because it's going to hurt your relationships. It's going to strain you. It's going to hurt your kids, anyone who you're in charge of. It'll, you know, that depression and like the dark thoughts, it shades everything that you do. So don't think just because you're not wanting to take your life or having any thoughts like that at all, that you don't need to seek help. If you're feeling like you're not good, you're not. Go yeah. talk to someone. It's much less scary than losing time like that too. You're not, you know, you might not lose your life, but you'll lose years convincing yourself that you're okay and you don't need help. And you might lose a lot by the time you realize you really probably should have went and talked to someone. All you have to do is go talk. You're there Facts. to not judge you. Facts. Sorry, everybody out there watching. I got Skype over here going crazy right now. This out of my control. Ain't really much I could do about that. Um, yeah. Hey, this uh, hey, this is wonderful right here. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, start with the man, Dev. Uh, final, final thoughts of everything. What up, he, Dev? Tell us something. <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, I just want to say, um, I think, um, I think a, a, a pod like this, man, is definitely uh, needed every once in a while. Kind of like 
touching back to basics and kind of getting to what's what's really important. We get lost in the humdrum of, de- of everyday life, kids, family, uh, you know, whatever your hobbies are, hip hop, sports, and news and media. You know, we get caught up in all of that, man, and it is easy to get lost in it. You know, we could talk about hip hop all day. We, before the pause talking, we was talking about the Baby's album. And, you know, <laughs> we, we could do that all day, every day. Um, but wow. I definitely think um, there's, we definitely should be taking time out like this to talk about the things that's like, really affecting us and that really matters. Um, and so I, you know, I just appreciate this time, man, just kind of be able to. I sit here with you all. I appreciate all the time that I spend with you guys. But uh, just to have a special guest, Dev, on here and to talk about the situation, um, you know, whether it's now, whether it's, you know, two, three years from now, uh, when someone comes across this this footage and, you know, they get to listen to it, you know what I'm saying? If it's there to anyone, to help anyone, to encourage someone, you know, then it did its job. Uh, if not today, whenever. So, you know, more conversations like this need to be had, not just on podcasts. I mean, there's a, a forum and outlet, but even like just, the, yo, look, see, see, life, life is going on in my background. Can Sounds you, like marriage. Please, please. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm, I'm going to mute my headphones so y'all can get to it. But um, I, I don't lost my train of thought. But, yo, just. Like oh that's what I'm saying. The uh, conversation like this, I mean, not just on on on, on podcasts and in public, and, but you know what I'm saying in your own home with your own family, friends. You know, this type of conversation where you're getting to the root of certain things that's going on uh, should, should be like a, a a daily conversation. You know what I'm saying to making sure that your people, the people that you care about, your loved ones, supervisors, talking, checking on subordinates, family, friends. You know, it should be a daily conversation as far as checking up on each other's mental health and, and emotional well-being and things of that nature. So, you know, this is like a trend that, you know, we should definitely be pushing as a community, as a whole, to, you know what I'm saying, to do more of. You know, it's not always about going to a counselor, going to a pastor, going to, you know what I'm saying, sometimes it's therapy. And like Rick said, this is this is his form of therapy. And he extended that bridge to everyone else. But there could be therapy can be found you know what I'm saying, in your living room with the people you love and care about, just knowing that they're listening to you, that you have an ear and someone cares. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Therapy could be an everyday thing. So, you know, more of this, you know, I'm an advocate for. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed today's pod, man. And, you know what I'm saying? More of it. I'm all here for it. Trav. Um, I had something I was going to say. Oh, that reminds me. Kind of hard uh, to follow that up. I think, uh, yeah, and, uh, listen, so I was on a little board, money board over there, right? And one of, the, one of the things I have on there is my uh, MVP dollar for my first podcast. I think it's uh, perfectly uh, a good idea if we all get together and make a MVP dollar for Lady Day uh, once this whole current thing is over. Hey, absolutely. You remember that? Yeah, the dollar I gave you for the podcast, popping up with the first one. Yeah, hell yeah, Dad. Yeah. We 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 be a while. I got a little present for you. Something just to hold you. We through. should Photoshop uh, um, a cash app screenshot and then write on it and put, give it to Dad. <laughs> that would be funny for me. Kind of like hindsight of the. Yeah. Um, I'll put a real dollar under it, Dad. You, t- you take the charge on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you, Dad, for coming on uh, BNY. Um, Thank you, Ricky, for having me once again. You know, I love doing these things. Love being with this group of individuals. Yeah, you're part of fam um, now. 
You feel me? Um, to all my individuals who are out here single with no kids and, and no family, keep your heads up. Don't drink too much. Uh, hit up your peoples. Um, <laughs> and be lonely out here in these streets. That's all I got. Thanks. Manning. Hey. So that's one thing you said. You told you thank Ricky for having you on. Ricky knows this is my therapy with everything I have going on in the world today. So thank you for that. So I got thank you, you Dad, for sharing your story. That takes a lot to come out here and tell the world your story. And like, I already respected you, but that's like, you's already the top. But yeah, who you need killed, Dad? I got you. Like that's the respect you got right now. So like, uh, I. I <laughs> Like it was a very it was a very sensitive subject when we said we was gonna talk about it a, like a few days ago. I honestly got scared, and the fact that you were ready to go and I wasn't that's like that that speaks to the woman you are, you know. So like um, and I I'm kind of glad that we did this. It's therapeutic for me, you know. Regardless, there's things that were heard in this pod that I needed to hear. There's things that people heard in this pod they needed to hear. Now, did they listen? Are they gonna take heed? Cause I already know what I'm gonna do. So, like, um, like uh, next, like, I just want the word to get out that we are all human. If you need something, don't be afraid to do it. You know, um, I want to keep it short because I have to work very early in the morning. So I got really <laughs> like just chilling here. So, but um, I, I will give y'all my time anytime. I love y'all, all of y'all. Um, thanks for everybody who showed up in the comments. Um, yeah, I ain't trying to get too sappy. Uh, hit me back when we can be some um clowns again. <laughs> <laughs> Next pod, hey, Dev, I'm gonna take this one, I'm gonna give you the last word for this pod. Um, yeah, Dev hit me up. Oh, god, what were we talking like back in January about doing this podcast? We've been, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been discussing this one on and off for a couple months now. So, I'm glad that you you came up to you came to me and said, Hey, I'm trying to do this uh next podcast. I was like, I had, I had like another show ready to go, something else I was going to do. I was like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, we're going to do this now. So I'm just glad that we were able to make this finally happen. Um, right on time. Yeah, whenever you want to come on the podcast and you want to, like May say, you just want to act a fool with us, you, you are more than welcome to do that too as well. Uh, you are Joey. So that's that right there. Um, one thing with mental health uh, mental health awareness, um, I, 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 it's important to talk about it. I don't want this to be like a, a taboo subject. Um, I know it's being, it's being more mainstream too as well, but it's important for us, you know, to help, you know, drive that forward, you know, our little corner of the internet, you know, we do, we do, but you know, like Manny said, if it can touch just one person, you know, we're good to go with that, you know, Trev helping oh. out his homie and, you know, Dev, man, Dev, with his, uh, wise words of wisdom, sound like Dr. King up there and back in, uh, 64. So, oh, <laughs> 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 no, nah, but seriously, though, now nah, I appreciate all y'all. Um, I'm glad y'all all able to do this with me, too, as well. I cannot do this by myself, it's in, uh, honestly impossible. I tried, it was impossible. Uh, but no, nah, like all your opinions here are welcome, you know, whatever y'all got to say, you know, I go ahead and say what's on your mind. Um, I, I don't, I, I may challenge your opinion, but if you know what you're talking about, it's, that's it, though. But you always be able to say what you want to on BNY. That's that. Def, last, uh, you get the last call. Let's go. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening, and thank you, everybody out there, for listening. And um, You know, if you're not feeling good, it's okay. It's okay to feel like shit sometimes. Life is really hard. 
Life in the military is really hard. Life as a parent is hard. Parenting is hard. It's hard to be married. All those things together can make a perfect storm. It's okay to take care of yourself. If you're taking care of everyone else, you can't possibly do that if you're not taking care of yourself. It's not selfish. It's prudent. What more can I say to that? Right. Thank you. Right. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm sorry for the for the tears and the cussing, but No. Cussing cussing is welcome to tears and welcome to as well. You are good to go. <laughs> sort of through like all the stages of grief, of grief and back within within one podcast. That's some kind of record. <laughs> hey, healing also happens at BNY. At least a little bit of healing. Hey, it's yeah. organic, baby. It's yeah. organic. Keep it organic. Hey, thank you everybody out there for watching. Hey, the, yes. the beautiful panel I have here too as well. Thank y'all as uh, twice as much too for providing this uh, good content. Deb, thank you three times as much for even being here with us. And thank oh, my please. old friends in the comments. I've seen people in commenting that I ain't seen in years. Like, shouts out. Oh, but man, anybody get the OnlyFans here soon? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broke, but not that broke. Check with me next week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, everybody. No, sorry, close out. You got it. Yeah, America, <laughs> you have a good night. All right. <laughs>